Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11. The faith chapter. It is likely the most exquisite chapter on faith in the whole Bible. It's it's high prose. And it, uh, well, we'll talk about it in a second. While you're turning, I'll give you a, a thought. Two concepts. One, you are likely very familiar with and one you're not that familiar with or you're distantly familiar with in some ways. The first is the concept of credit, like a credit card. Okay, this is the one we all understand and know. Credit is you get something now, you pay for it later. It's very, very convenient, extremely dangerous. Right? You get it now, you pay for it later. My wife and I, we pay our credit card off every month, but I will say I think I use it more than cash because of the convenience. That's credit. I get to enjoy it now, and I postpone the cost to a later date. There's that concept. The other concept is an old phrase, at least it's old to me, from my childhood, and the concept is called layaway. Have you ever heard of layaway? Okay. Layaway. When I was a kid, that's what I remember. Now, I don't know how accurate my memory was, but that's what I remember my parents responding to things they wanted that they could not afford. Is They went, at the time we lived on a military base, and it was like a four... Uh, this is before big box stores, so like a small Kmart. It's called the BX or the Navy Exchange. And they, we, if, you wanted, if you went to the Navy Exchange and you wanted to buy a new lawnmower for $100, but you didn't have $100 of liquid asset, you could put it on layaway. You're pretty familiar with this? Okay, it's got to be new to some of you. Okay. College folks, is it kind of a new concept? Okay, no, no, yes, I'm going to keep talking. Uh, you would put it on layaway, which means they would like get one of those for sale tickets and twist you around the lawnmower handle and it would say uh, sold. It would be in your name and they would store it in inventory. And then you would come in whenever you had a little bit of money and you'd put more money down on your lawnmower and layaway. So, you know, 20 bucks a week for five weeks. Uh, when it was paid, they would give you the lawnmower. You're paying now and you're postponing, you're laying away the prize until it's fully accounted for. It's the opposite of credit. Credit, you take now and pay later. Layaway, you pay now and take later. That's how it worked. Faith is like layaway. That's how it works. And I I, I will say this. We are a credit culture. And we're lying to ourselves if we think that uh, our spending habits are not thinking habits. So it is part of our worldview. If you live in America, it's part of your worldview to assume you can enjoy things now and figure a way to pay it out. Okay, so we're coming to the word. We're even coming to the concept of faith with an alternative default approach. Because faith is layaway. Look, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. There's this future. Faith is being sure of what will one day be true. Of what you hope to be true. That's 
That's the notion of faith. Now, what I'd like to do is pick up in the life of Abraham, which is going to be in the eighth verse. I'll read it in a second. Hebrews 11 goes through a whole sort of the history of the faithful. And Abraham's right there. Before we read about uh, Abraham from Hebrews, let me just share a little bit of his life. In Genesis chapter 12, the Lord calls Abraham. He's Abram at the time. That's his name. But the Lord says to him, leave your country, your people, and your family's household and go to the place that I will show you. And I will bless you and make you into a great nation. I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I will curse. And through you, all the nations will be blessed. That's the promise given to Abraham. That's the layaway promise given to Abraham. If you leave everything, everything that gives you security right now and go to a place you've never been. In fact, in Genesis 12, 1, he does not even tell Abraham where he's going. Go to the place that I will show you. In other words, uproot yourself, sight unseen, destination unknown, with a willingness to follow me wherever I'll take you. And if you do that, there'll be this great promise waiting for you at the end. And Abraham does. He leaves. And he goes. And over the course of the life of Abraham, the Lord edifies and builds upon this original promise. So it's not simply uh, through you, a great nation. He eventually says, kings will come out of you. And eventually he says, those who come from you will be like the sand of the seashore and like the stars of the heavens. Like the promise doesn't get smaller. Throughout Abraham's life, the promise gets bigger. The promise starts as, go to the place that I'll show you. And then it moves to, this will be your land. This is your land, Abraham. And then it gets to the point of going, look as far as you can see. All of this is yours. I'm giving it to you. Through you, the whole world will be blessed. That's the promise that's sitting in front of Hebrews 11, verse 8. Let me just read. 8 through 10. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And when he went out not knowing where he was going, by faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Now the writer has identified two things, two things that Abraham has done by faith. The first thing that Abraham did by faith is he left. He obeyed obeyed God and he went to a place, the destination of which he didn't even know. That's the first thing. We've already talked about that. But there's a second thing that shows up here. The second thing that Abraham does by faith is he arrives in the land of promise, which is his inheritance. That's what it says in verse 8. A place that he was to receive as his inheritance. He arrives in the land of his inheritance and yet does not receive it as his. Never. 
Abraham never, ever gets the land that was promised to him. It's the way the writer describes it here is, by faith, he, he, when he went to the land of the promise, he lived as though he was in a foreign land living in a tent. That's the way the writer's describing it. He was a nomad. Abraham was a nomad his entire life. That's what people do who have no land. He was a displaced immigrant is who Abraham was. God said, go to the place that I'll show you and I'll give you a rich inheritance of land. And he got there and what eventually happened is the Lord said, well, I'm not giving it to you. It's gonna go to your your ancestry. You're not getting it. I'm promising it to you, Abraham, but I've laid it away for them. And the writer is saying, who does that? Who for their entire life roams in a land consigned to them, but not actually given to them? For his whole life, Walk, lives between people's property. Abraham never plants a crop. He never harvests a crop. He does what landless people do. He lived in the high, rocky areas where no one can farm, and he herds because he has no land. The one who was promised all of it has none of it. Nor does his son Isaac. Nor does his son Jacob. His whole life they're wanderers. There's a passage in Genesis, uh, I think it's going to be on the screen. Let me just read an excerpt uh, of the following. This is Genesis 4. It says, So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. That's his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram took Sarai, his wife. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. He builds an altar. Actually, in that reading, he built two altars. Across the life of Abram, he builds several altars. He builds his altar, and yet he pitches his tent. I remember we preached through this about seven years ago. I preached through this, and I was caught by that. I was so challenged by that as this is the exact issue of faith that the writer of Hebrews is getting, that Abram would come to the land of promise and be content to pitch his tent in the land. I remember reflecting when we were, working through Genesis at how often we pitch our altars and build our houses. How for us, getting what we want now on this plot of ground, in this certain way, standard of living, the 
we put so much of who we are into building our houses. And so often all we have is a little bit left to pitch an altar. That's not what he did. God has promised him all of this land. He pitches his tent and he builds his altar. His whole life, Abraham dies in a tent. In fact, Genesis 18, I find is ironic. It's, it begins this way. In the heat of the day, Abraham was sitting in the doorway of his tent. Okay? This old man, Genesis 18, he's about 99 years old, roughly around this time. He's hot day. Imagine he's up in the hot rocks in the arid area of just the desert of Israel, and he's And by the end of the chapter, what you hear about his nephew Lot, remember, Abram offers Lot, hey, you pick the territory. And Lot says, I'll take the fertile territory in the valley. And Lot settles down. Lot sets to making this place his home now. And in doing so, by the 18th chapter, we find Abraham is still living in a tent. And Lot is living in the valley in the house in the city of Sodom. It is ironic what settling down can mean for God's people. The writer of Hebrews is saying, Abraham did not do that because he knew, he knew what God was doing. Look at 12, therefore, excuse me, verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Abraham doesn't need it now because he's looking forward. It's laid away for him. It's laid up in heaven for him. This promise, he's looking forward to the great true fulfillment of the promise. And so for now, he can live in a tent. By faith. Something else he does by faith. Look at 13. These all died in faith. That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The writer says, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they never, they never, ever got to enjoy the promise. Uh, that's, that's worse than layaway. That's long way away. When you work your whole life and your son and your next generation works their whole life and their next generation works their whole life, in fact, to be honest, 430 years of faithful waiting before they are actually given the land that was promised to Abraham. That is layaway. And the writer says, 
they were content to live as exiles in this land. He says, if they had wanted a house like everyone else, they could have gone home. That's what the writer says. They opted, they chose to live as landless immigrants in the land because they looked forward to what God was really doing. That's what faith is. Faith is having a sense of what God really wants to do and liking it, being for it, being on the side of it, on the side of it enough that you can forsake the building that you had in mind. I think that's what this church did, by the way, when it, 2010, when it did Loma Coffee, and then in the subsequent years when it set to plenty of campus, all of that was happening, all of that was happening when we had already validated a building program. We laid it away because we saw what God was doing. There's different ways of possessing something. A person can possess something like a child possesses a toy. When you possess it that way, it's yours, it's for your enjoyment and for your benefit. Or a person can possess something like a a parent possesses a child where we steward it. And we have a sense of we don't really own it what, we, what is on us is responsibility. That is how Abraham, Abraham possesses the promises of God like a steward possesses the promises of God with, with responsibility in his heart. That's what faith is. What I'm not suggesting, by the way, is that we build a tent or that we leave the building. I'm not suggesting that and what I don't want to do is I don't want to hijack this high passage as though living stones is the greatest test of faith that you will ever have. Um, I don't suspect it is. There are not that often, though, that we corporately have a step of faith. Usually, you step of, we step in faith as individuals or as families. This is rare that we come together over a step of faith. And I want us to see that. Because it is a step of faith. If this church is alive, and if you're a living part of it, and if we say, God wants us to do this, then it requires faith. And we should consider the future of what God will do as sufficient down payment for the present degree of faithfulness. I'll say it this way. When left unguided and unchallenged, this is how I think we are, okay? This is how I am, so I think this is how you are. I think when left unguided and unchallenged, we strive to make a home in this land as though it's home. I think for the most part, you and I build houses like everyone else. We drive cars like everyone else. We seek promotions like everybody else. We celebrate Christmas and buy toys just like, just like 
the godless who celebrate Christmas and buy toys. We long for the same opportunities for our children. We have the same ambitious dreams of vacation. I think left unguided and unchallenged, just like everyone else. As though this was home. Do you find yourself making this place your home in exactly the same way as the three to four, three of your four neighbors who have no meaningful relationship with God whatsoever? It says Abraham was in exile. Abraham was not longing for the things of this world because he did not consider this his home. That is faith. I think left unguided and unchallenged, we're prone to build houses and pitch altars. I think we're prone to find greater security in walls than in the passages of Jesus Christ. I think we're drawn, we're drawn to feel insecurity, the insecurity that comes with something like a tent pole and a cloth wall. And we need to be reminded, this is why, by the way, at the very end, as this entire thought on Hebrews 11 pitches into the 12th chapter, this is why the writer says, since you have been surrounded now by this great crowd of witnesses, He's saying, now that you know what living in faith is, don't stop. How do I sort through this? Um, I am not saying, you sell your house. Let me just say what I'm not. I am not in any way in my heart trying to leverage an expectation upon anyone here. Leave that for the Lord. What I am saying is, we are at a corporate step of faith. And faith seems comfortable laying things away. I'll close with this image. Uh, when I used to fly, on occasion, you would something when you had to do something hard with the airplane. Probably the number one thing I think of is refueling at night. Air refueling at night was hard, especially when in an environment where the tanker turns all of its lights off because they don't want to get shot at. So then you have to wear goggles, so you lose depth perception. So you have no depth perception, and your goal is to hit another airplane that's full of gas. Um, And in that moment, the tendency, the tendency of a pilot is to grip down on the stick and throttle so hard, we would call it white knuckle flying. When you were not aware, left unchallenged and unguided, you would squeeze, you would, everything about you was just locked up. 
And it was waiting for the whisper of an old flight lead on the radio. The old guy would go take care of the young guys in those moments. And on the radio, you would hear him say, he would go, boys, wiggle your fingers, wiggle your toes. That was it. And you would, you'd realize, oh my, it was just the guidance of don't hold on to things so tightly. It's all good, right? Why are you holding on so tightly? I think maybe that is the impetus of faith is as we're making our way in the world and we come to these steps of faith, wiggle our fingers, wiggle our toes. Just can you, can you reflex in such a way that releases? That's our hope because we, this is a quest of faith, right? God brings, God brings the blessing to the faithfulness of the people. That's our hope. Let me pray. And um, I'll just I'll close this, Lord. Lord, let's come to the Lord. Be with us, Lord. I pray over each family here, each person here who's asking the question, Lord, in their own way before you. It's my prayer that simply their quest is not unguided or unchallenged. Lord, may we each be thoughtful about how we may have grown too connected to this world. I think of Jesus, who so often, Lord, in his ministry, refers to people perishing as they have received their reward already. They've lived on credit, Lord. May we not do that. I pray that the pursuit of what family should give should be, will be done without guilt, but with conviction. Lord, we pray that we're in your will. In Jesus' name, amen.